Welcome everybody to Blackhawk Church. Happy Easter to all of you who are live in the room, this small live group of people. So great to be able to see you all. And would you join me right now in welcoming everybody who is online? Can we just give a round of applause for everybody joining us online right now? We're so glad that you are all with us. Welcome to everybody who is new. If you're here at Blackhawk for the first time, we're glad that you're with us. For all of you joining us, regardless if you're in Dane County, or if you're different places in the country, or honestly, we know there are all kinds of people joining us around the world right now, which is amazing. And uh, happy Easter. It's really great to be with you. It's, it's incredible to think that this is actually the, the second Easter that has been affected by COVID. You know, second one now. So do you remember back to last Easter? Like, it's kind of crazy thinking back to the amount that we've gone through in that period of time. Last year, the first service that we did online, everybody online, because we were all kind of locked down, safer at home, you know, you remember those days. We did our first service on March 15th. And I remember having a conversation with some of our staff afterwards, wondering if, uh, if we were actually going to be able to be in person for last year's Easter services. We kind of were hopeful that that actually might happen. Yeah, ridiculous. You know, I mean, do you remember? It was like we started there, like how bad is this really gonna be? And then the bottom started to drop out. And uh, I remember my daughter, Hannah, who goes to University of Georgia, she had come home for spring break with five days of clothes because she was gonna be home for five days. Yeah, that turned into five months. And, uh, and my other daughter, Leah, was trying to figure out how to finish out her senior year of high school at Memorial completely online, missing all of the things that seniors would normally be doing during that time. I mean, we remember that season. It was so difficult. And so finally, as we got to Easter last year, it was like the... The world was losing hope at that point as we realized this is gonna be a while. This isn't gonna be a quick flash in the pan. And I remember my, my wife, Rachel, put together an Easter egg hunt for my daughters who were 18 and 20 because it was like, we just gotta have something fun. I think we got a picture in there of somewhere in the backyard, 18 to 20 years old, but it was like, we gotta do something. And uh, we had Easter meal together. I remember my message for Easter last year changed last minute to an unexpected Easter because, okay, it was rather unexpected and we were not really headed in a good direction. Now, let's fast forward to this year. This year, there's some people who are in the room. Can I get an amen from anyone in the room right now? So, and I know, and listen, there are more services that are coming up that we're, we're like things are starting to loosen, you know, and uh, it's getting warmer outside. There are things that are going on in the world that like are giving us hope right now. Isn't that true? I mean, regardless if you're here in the room or if you're online, like there's just an element of something that starts to feel hopeful about where we're headed. And there is something just so amazing about the idea of hope, isn't there? Like when we lose hope, like man, it can put us under the bus. But as soon as we find hope in any type of situation, it's like a game changer for us. And so what I wanted to do, knowing that we were headed into this season where we felt like there was going to be hope, I wanted to talk about the idea of hope. What does that look like? And so the title for this year's Easter message is Easter, A Greater Hope because we felt like that was the right direction for us to go. And this is gonna be the fun thing, okay, for all of you. This is actually sort of starting off this week and then for the next three weeks, a short little series that we are doing simply called Greater, 
where we are going to be taking a look at different stories of people who came into contact with Jesus after he had risen from the grave and the way that that affected their lives. We're going to start that actually really this week with the story of the resurrection. I mean, shocker that we're going there, it's Easter. You know, probably would be a good thing to talk about. And so we're talking about the resurrection and the very first person who came in contact, it was recorded, that came in contact with Jesus after he had risen from the grave. So in light of that, we're gonna start today in John chapter 20. John, the fourth book of the New Testament. If you brought your Bibles or have them on your phones or your tablets or whatever, you can go ahead and turn there. John chapter 20. Now, let me get a little bit of context on, uh, on what's been taking place. Up to this point, Jesus has, um, he has been arrested. He has been falsely accused. He has been tried. He has been severely beaten. He has been crucified and killed. And his body was taken off the cross and given to another Jesus follower who has taken his body and wrapped it and placed it into a tomb. And he has been there now for three days. And the followers of Jesus, we all knew, all know this. I mean, they like scattered, fearing for their lives. They feared that what had happened to Jesus was ultimately going to happen to them. And so they're all over the place. And for all intents and purposes, the, the, like the Jesus following movement that people were hoping for is dead. I mean, it's just gone at this point. <laughs> but then comes Sunday morning. And that's where we pick up the story. So John chapter 20, starting with verse one. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Okay, let's just pause here for just a little bit, to, just to get some context in the passage that we're reading. This is a, this is a passage written by uh, the Apostle John, one who, uh, one who was writing down all kinds of things that Jesus had done during his ministry years that he had been here on this earth. And, and, and something to know about John that can be kind of interesting, John, when he refers to himself in the passage, instead of using like the first person, using I or me or my, instead he refers to himself in the third person as the other disciple. <laughs> or he goes as far as to say, the one whom Jesus loved. Okay, I don't know about you, but I just always find that a little funny. You know, like, okay, John, we're glad you have a really healthy self-esteem. You know, like, he, Jesus liked the other disciples, but the one whom he loved, yeah, that was me. You know, so, so he writes that over and over. So we see that already. That just gives you context for where it is that we're headed as we continue. So we pick up. Mary has said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where we have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, we know who that is now, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So, okay, John, we're glad that you are loved by Jesus and that you're super fast. So I'm sure you're really good looking as well. Thanks for pointing these things out. So he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came behind him and went straight in to the tomb. This, this is not surprising. P Peter, what we know about him in scripture, he was the disciple who would like act first and think later. So he goes straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, 
separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached to the tomb first, (laughs) also went inside. He saw and believed. They did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Okay, this is a really interesting section of scripture. And I think there's much going on here that we can easily miss. And one of the ways that we can pick up what's truly going on is actually by going back to the original Greek and taking a look at the words that were used here for the word to see. It's really interesting. So if we look at this, verse five, it says that he, that is John, uh, bent over and looked in at the strips of linen that were lying there. Okay, now the word that John used here for, for, for looked is actually the Greek word blepo. Blepo just simply, it's a basic word just meaning to see. So, but then the interesting thing is we go on to verse six, where if you look, it says Simon Peter came and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Now, rather than as for saw there using the word blepo again, he uses, he actually uses a different word. He uses the word theoreo. Theoreo is where we get the word to theorize or, or, or come up with a theory. This is the word that he uses instead of blepo. It gives us this picture that for Peter, as he goes into the tomb, John, as he's standing outside, okay, they've, they've seen, but now what's going on? They're, uh, it's like they're, they're looking at everything that's taken place. They saw, they're theorizing, they're formulating a hypothesis of, in their mind of what took place. Like they see the strips of linen lying there right in the place where Jesus' body was in the head covering. A person back then would have been wrapped much like what you would picture a mummy to be wrapped as and with a separate piece around his head. Those were lying there. They would be wondering, okay, if someone came to take the body, if they were grave robbers, they would have been nervous, wouldn't they? Why would they take the time to unwrap the body? And the body, let's be honest, he's dead. It was decomposing at this point. I mean, that's... Why would somebody do that? See, they're thinking through all of these things, trying to figure out what's taken place. And then it says that John, here at the bottom, verse eight, went into the tomb as well, and he saw and believed. Now, the word that he used here, it's not blepo, it's not theoreo, it's the word arao. And arao means to, to discern. It gives us this idea of to spiritually discern a situation in order to come up with a conclusion. You see what's taking place here? John saw, he observed, and then thought through, he reasoned, and he came to a conclusion that Jesus had risen from the grave. You see, I think that's so interesting because think about this. John's coming to this conclusion that Jesus had risen from the grave And he's doing this having not seen Jesus risen from the grave. Like, look, some of us, uh, the reason why I bring that up is because I think that for some of us, we think, man, if I could have just been back there with the disciples, if I could have just seen Jesus risen from the grave, then I would place my faith in him. Well, I just think it's interesting to realize that the first person who bought into the idea that Jesus had risen from the grave, that he was alive, was someone who had not seen him. And he did that not by a blind faith. You see, another thing I I hear people say sometimes is that they believe that if they're gonna place their faith in Jesus, this could be you. You think if if I'm actually gonna place my faith in Jesus, like that he rose again from the grave, I have to actually, I have to go in with a blind faith. 
Like I just kind of have to check my brain at the door and all the thoughts of coming up with hypothesis doesn't make sense, but I just have to buy it anyway. But that's not what we see John doing here. John observed, he thought through, he reasoned and came to in his mind a discernment, a reasonable conclusion that this is what had happened with Jesus. I just think it's important for us in today's day and age to realize that process. In order to place our faith in Jesus, you don't have to check your brain at the door. And so John comes to this place of realizing these things and he and Peter, they head back home. But Mary, well, she was in a different place. And that's where we pick up the story. Let's continue, let's continue in verse 11. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, like, like the Parks and Rec guy or something like that. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. <laughs> I mean, happy Easter. You know, that's, that passage right there, that is why we believe what we believe. It's amazing to think what is taking place. But in order to really get a grasp of it, we've got to go all the way back to where Mary was on her way to the tomb early that morning. You know, you think about why was Mary on her way to the tomb? Other gospels, other gospel accounts tell her actually that she had spices with her. She was on her way to go embalm the body of Jesus because she and the disciples believed that Jesus was dead. Jesus had told them all about what had happened to them, but for whatever reason, they hadn't gotten it. And the reason why we know that is because Mary and the disciples, well, they weren't sitting outside the tomb on Sunday morning, ready to see something amazing happen and be able to say, he is risen, he is risen indeed. No, that was not a part of their plan. Jesus was alive and they didn't realize it. And Mary was on her way to the tomb to embalm a body because she didn't understand who it was that Jesus really was. Her view of Jesus was far too small. And because of that, she was on her way that morning. You know, Mary, in, in every way, she believed that Jesus was the savior, Jesus was the Messiah, but she believed that Jesus was the savior and the Messiah, the coming king of the people of Israel. 
who would lead the people of Israel out from underneath the oppression of the Roman Empire to where once again Israel could be the figurative superpower of the world and all people would understand who God was from Israel once again being placed on top by their God, led by this one Jesus. That's what she and the disciples and the followers of Jesus thought was going to take place, but now Jesus is dead and he's laying in a tomb and she's on her way to embalm a body because she thought she had gotten it wrong with Jesus. Her perspective and idea of who Jesus was was too small. You see, Jesus, he knew what he was about. He knew what the real issue was. He knew that it wasn't that the Israelites needed a savior to come and save them from the oppression of Rome. He knew that the world needed a savior to come and save us from the oppression of sin that separated us completely from God. And his plans were way bigger, but Mary couldn't see it. And so she had come to embalm a body and simply, think about this, and simply just be done. The reason why I bring that up is because I, look, I know this last year has been a year like no other for us. It's been incredibly tough. I mean, we, we have dealt with a global pandemic um, that has affected us not just, not just physically, where many of you are online and there's a small handful of people here in the room. It hasn't just affected us physically, it's affected us, let's admit, mentally, emotionally. On top of that, there has been political unrest, like for many of us, we have never known in our lifetime, that polarized people. On top of that, we have and continue to deal with social injustice issues that send people different directions on their thoughts and opinions of what that should really look like. And I've had conversations, I know many people in our staff have had conversations with all kinds of people who because of the things that have happened in this world, their view of, of Jesus has, has been challenged. And I've had all kinds of conversations with people who are, who are questioning and doubting and, and, and wrestling with their faith, trying to figure out whether or not it is that they truly believe is, that Jesus is who they thought he was. In many cases, there are people who are deconstructing their faith. This could be any of you online. It could be any of you in the room, and you're in this place where you're trying to figure out what it is you believe, and that's a scary place to be. You know, for Mary, as we saw her here at the tomb, as she's crying, she goes into this moment where she, she, you know, I mean, as she's crying, imagine the emotions that are going through her in that moment. It's like a horrible situation where Jesus is dead. Now it's just gotten worse because the body is gone. You know, she has lost all hope in this moment. And, and my guess is, is what's she dealing with? She's dealing with fear. She's dealing with sadness. She's dealing with anger, frustration, confusion, doubt, all of these things going on. And in that moment, as she sees these angels, we're not even sure she realized they were angels. She definitely didn't recognize Jesus. She starts asking all kinds of questions, wrestling with, trying to figure out what's going on. That you know what we see Jesus do? You notice that Jesus is not bothered by anything that Mary's doing in this moment. He's not looking at Mary going, how could you not have gotten this? Like Mary, wake up for crying out loud. You frustrate me. You know, like, like he's, he's not bothered. He's not frustrated. He's not hacked off. He's not, you know, wondering what, why have I been spending my time with these people? Are you kidding me? They don't get it. No, he just simply turns to her and looks at her in the midst of her questioning, wrestling, doubt, struggle, frustration, anger, fear, looks at her and just says, Mary. See, in that moment is Mary 
heard Jesus' voice, her view of Jesus got so much bigger, bigger than she could have imagined. And she also realized that Jesus was way closer to her in that moment than she had ever realized. See, for those of you who are in this place of doubting and questioning and wrestling with deconstructing your faith, welcome to Blackhawk. <laughs> we are so glad that you are here in this place and our desire is for this to be a place where it can be safe for you to ask all of those questions that you're not sure if you're allowed to ask. And the reason why I say that, the reason why that's the type of church that we wanna be is because when we look at this situation, Jesus was not bothered by any of the questions that Mary was asking. He, look, he is not thrown or frustrated or, or hacked off by you at any of the things that he is asking. And our hope, our hope for every person who comes through the doors of Black Hawk Church is that all of us would realize that our view of Jesus in reality, well, he's, he's way bigger than we can imagine. And, and, and he's way closer to us than we can even realize. And our true hope, our ultimate hope, is found in him. You see, we look for hope in all kinds of different situations and circumstances. I mean, anywhere that we can grab onto hope, you know, whether regardless if it's an Easter egg hunt for my 18-year-old and 20-year-old last year, or finally going out to a restaurant where we sit in a parking lot and eat outside our car because, well, we're allowed to, or, you know, I mean, we, we just look for hope wherever it is that, that we can find it. And I mean, think back to the last year. So 2019, can you remember back that far? 2019, do you remember when we were all kind of excited about 2020 coming? Like it was gonna be a new decade. How cool is that? Finally, 2020 is gonna be here. We're gonna enter back into the roaring 20s, you know? And uh, I can remember all kinds of businesses and schools and churches who we all came up with, we thought was really creative, our 2020 vision, because we thought, you know, hey, it's so creative 2020, even though everybody was doing it. And then 2020 came and it was kind of a hot mess. And uh, man, all I know is the conversations I had with people by the time that like it was the beginning of summer, people were like, I am so over 2020. I am so ready to be done completely with 2020. So we started looking at 2021, you know, and then the ball dropped on 2020 and 2021 started and it wasn't any better than 2020. You know, now finally we're here at April and well, things are starting to feel a little better. You know, like, like, I mean, for one, weather-wise, for any of us in the Midwest, I mean, it's starting to get warm outside. That's amazing. On top of that, I mean, shots are going in people's arms. People are getting vaccines. Things are starting to loosen. We're starting to hear, I mean, as of, I believe, tomorrow, anyone over the age of 16 in the state of Wisconsin can get a vaccine. You know, on top of that, I mean, like mask mandate, outdoors is loosening. All of these different things are happening. We're starting to have more services here at Blackhawk. We're gonna continue that direction. Like there starts to feel like hope in this season. We can begin to think, okay, hopefully, for some of you as parents, hopefully not too long from now, my kids are gonna be back in school every day. It's going to be amazing, you know? For some of you kids, you're like, hopefully I am going to be back in school and won't have to be with my parents and it's going to be amazing. And you're thinking, hopefully, like at school, there's gonna be sports that I can be involved with again. Hopefully, extracurricular activities are gonna start up. Hopefully, I'm gonna to get to hang out with my friends. You know, for some of you who, uh, like you're into different things that you get to be a part of at Madison, hopefully, I'm gonna to start going to 
to music events and concerts. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to, uh, to get out and go to restaurants. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to take this mask off new, no, not too long from now. Hopefully, I'm gonna get to, we're going to get to herd immunity. And we think all of this stuff, we place our hope in that. But once we get there, is everything going to be better? Really? Like, you think back to 2019, pre-COVID. Do you have any issues in your life pre-COVID? Any struggles, frustrations, anything that felt dark? You see, the reality is, is like we live in a sinful, broken world. We all know that. There was, look, there was darkness pre-COVID and there's gonna be darkness after COVID. You know, there was... There was darkness before you made a move across the country and there will be darkness after you make a move across the country. There, 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 is, there is darkness before your promotion and darkness after your promotion. There was darkness before you went to college, during while you're at college and after you get out of college. There was darkness in any of these situations before and after. Isn't this the most uplifting Easter sermon? Happy Easter, darkness is coming for you, you know? <laughs> like, you see, the problem is, like, we all know that. But where do we look for our hope? Because there's so many times that we look, look, we look for our hope in the things that are coming. And believe me, I'm right there with you. Like, with the idea of being done with COVID and moving beyond this to another day, I, I am so excited about that. But the moment that we start to put all of our hope in our situations and circumstances, the moment that we put our hope in, like, the what's, of life, we set ourselves up for disappointment. Because it's a guarantee that what are going to disappoint. Anytime we look for our hope in a what, we are going to be disappointed because true hope, ultimate hope, cannot be found in a what, it can only be found in a who. And that's what we celebrate here at Easter. Our hope that is found in a who, Jesus, who loved us to such a great level. God who loved us to such a great level that he sent his son into the world to pay the penalty for all of our sin, all of our brokenness, all of the darkness of this world, all of the sin and guilt and frustration and, uh, you know, and shame. He came to take all of that away so that we could once again be in right relationship with the Father. And he did that by what he did on the cross. Going to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin, so that no longer would that separate us from God. It's the ultimate hope that we can find in our lives. And we get there, scripture says, by, by faith. Now what's faith? Faith is one of those words that's thrown around in Christian society, and, uh, but it can be really difficult to understand what it really means. One of the best stories that I ever heard on faith was a story that I was told about a guy living in the mid-1800s. I was told this back in high school. It was a, uh, a, a man named Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin was a, uh, he was an acrobat and a tightrope walker from France. And he did a tour worldwide. For some time, he was in the United States. And while he was there, his great feat that he was known for was setting up a tightrope all the way across Niagara Falls. And he would go ahead and walk this tightrope all the way across Niagara Falls. And uh, thousands and thousands of people would show up to watch Blondin do this. And he started to do it after some time with like swagger. You know, like he would blindfold himself. He would do it where he was walking backwards. He did it on stilts 
One time he even went out on the middle of the line and like made lunch for himself. He even one time did this where he went out with a wheelbarrow full of rocks. Now think about that. You're trying to balance yourself as well as take care of the balance of everything going on in this wheelbarrow all the way across Niagara Falls. He gets to the other side and he dumps out all of the rocks. The crowd goes wild. And he says to the crowd, I mean, as they're cheering for him, he says, how many of you believe that I could get across that line with this wheelbarrow with a person in it? The crowd goes, ah, yes, that's amazing. Yeah, you could totally do that. You should do, do that. You know, and everybody's going crazy. And he says, so, may I have a volunteer? The crowd goes, ha, oh, oh. <laughs> nobody volunteered, no one. You see, because there is a difference between saying, Blondin, I believe that you can make it across that line with me in that wheelbarrow, and actually having the guts to go and get in the wheelbarrow and place my life in the hands of this person. You see, that's what, what faith is. Faith is when we come to the place of saying, okay, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. See, there are all kinds of people who believe that there was a man named Jesus. Many people believe that he was the son of God. Many people, like they'll show up at services and they'll worship, they'll sing praises to Jesus. But the difference is coming to the place of where I say, okay, Jesus, I'm getting in the wheelbarrow. I'm actually going to get in. Jesus, I am placing my life in your hands. I am placing my faith in you that you paid the penalty for my sins. And so I am giving you control of my life. I know I can't make it across that tightrope on my own. I'm placing my faith in you that as I get in, that you are the one who can take me. I am giving you control. So here's my question. Have you ever gotten in the wheelbarrow? Have you ever come to the place where you not just say, yeah, I love Jesus and I believe there is a Jesus and I will love worshiping Jesus. No, 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 no. If you come to the place of getting in the wheelbarrow, placing your faith in him for your salvation, that he is the one who paid the penalty for your sins, he is the one who will save you. Because when we do that, we find true, ultimate hope that supersedes our circumstances and situations. See, that hope that he offers us, it's not just like for someday, you know, like some people think that Jesus is like, great, you got in the wheelbarrow, fantastic, all right, so you're all set. Um, well, have a great life, see you in heaven, good luck. You know, like some people think that's the way that Jesus works, but no, like the hope that he offers us is not for someday, it's today, because scripture tells us that once we place our faith in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, begins to transform the way that we live, begins to transform, gives us a different lens for the way that we see Life transforms the way that we think, begins to give us encouragement and strength in the difficult circumstances and situations that we have in our lives. That hope is for today. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul said this in the book of Romans. He said, and now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you might overflow with hope, not someday, but today, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He offers that to all of us through faith 
in his son, Jesus. If you've never made that decision before, I just want to encourage you today to take that step. Like there's no greater day than you could choose to become a Christ follower and place your faith in Jesus than on the day we celebrate his resurrection for the payment for our sins. And if you just feel that stirring, you would like to make that decision today. I mean, look, there's not some magical words that you have to say or anything like that. But you could just simply, I mean, God knows what's going on in our heart, but just in the, in the quietness of your heart right now, you don't have to say anything out loud. You could just simply pray this prayer. It's just saying, God, look, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I can't save myself. I can't get across the tightrope on my own. I have no way to make it to God. God, thank you for your love for me and sending your son, Jesus. Today, I am placing my faith, Lord Jesus, in you you alone for my salvation. I'm getting in the wheelbarrow. Thank you for your love for me. Take control of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer, regardless if you're in the room right now or if you're online watching, there are angels who are celebrating in heaven right now. That's amazing. And we'd love to celebrate with you too. And we'd love just to know that you made this decision and so the way that you can let us know is just by simply pulling out your phone for just a minute and just simply texting the word yes to 608-618-4003. That's 608-618-4003. It's just a way you text the word yes. It just lets us know, yep, you've made that decision because we would love to be celebrating with you and praying for you. And you're gonna be sent a little form that you can fill out that in that form, I mean, it basically just gives us some information about you because we'd love to help you in these first days, to help to see the way, like what life looks like as you figure out what it means to be a Jesus follower. We wanna encourage you in that process. We'd love to be in touch with you. We believe that the Christian life is meant to be lived in community. And so if you decide to fill that out, we'll get in touch with you. Look, there is no greater decision than you can make than placing your faith in Jesus. Because when we do that, we are given a hope that supersedes our circumstances and situations of life. It is a greater hope because true hope is found in a who, not a what. Happy Easter. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you so much for your love for us. You would, you would send your son Jesus to this world to pay a penalty that we could never pay on our own. That by Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be in right relationship with you. That's just truly unbelievable. God, I pray today for anyone who has come to the place of accepting you for the first time as their savior, getting in the wheelbarrow, and I pray for them that you would just give them assurance. Would they feel your presence? Would you allow them to know that if anything that were to happen to them, they would immediately spend eternity with you. God, we long for that day. God, thank you for the hope that you give us today because of the work that you do inside of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said,